the 24-7 Prayer Podcast. I'm Hannah Heather. And I'm Brian Heasley. And we are so glad that you have joined us today. We have got some extraordinary guests who are joining us all the way from 12,000 feet altitude in Cusco, Peru. Brian, why don't you tee them up? Because you've actually been out there to visit them, haven't you? Absolutely. I love Andy and Helen Taylor, who are people just like you and I, who have responded to the extraordinary call of God on their lives. And they've moved to Cusco in Peru to plant a mission base for 24-7 prayer. They've been there two years. They took their two small children. Mm. And at the age of, in their early 40s, they moved there to sell out for Jesus, as it were. It's it's so exciting to hear about them and the sacrifices they've made, the breakthroughs they're seeing, right. and the different things that are happening as they work in and around the Cusco region of Peru. I mean, I it was just phenomenal to be with them. They are humble, but lovely. They are working in a culture that is probably quite dominated by a kind of a platform culture, mm. yet they are just teaching people how to pray in so many beautiful ways. They're helping local people engage in prayer, and they're working so hard at seeing a prayer culture outworked indigenously mm. in Peru. And so I'm really excited about what God is doing in like South America mm. and Latin America, because I think for 24-7 prayer, we've recently translated Lectio into Spanish. We're seeing some stuff happening in Colombia. Aitor and Lloyd are doing some stuff with 24 Siete Oración in España. There's so many beautiful things happening in the Spanish-speaking world that we have a passion and a heart for seeing God break out. And it's lovely that Andy and Helen, who are, you know, fluent Spanish speakers, have moved there, moved in amongst the people and are just seeing loads of phenomenal things happen as they just follow the call of God on their lives. It is. It's it's absolutely extraordinary. I mean, I think if God, you know, if he shows up and he asks us to go, like... They're just this beautiful example of people that say yes, you know. And if you think of how much, you know, when you've got little kids, the challenge of even moving, just moving house, let alone moving continent, let alone moving your whole life into a different language, different culture. Uh, and so it's it's really extraordinary to hear that God is has been faithful to them in following that call in their lives. It's a really interesting um, culture as well, isn't it, Brian? Mm -hmm. So we're going to hear a bit about Incan spirituality and the impact of that on the mission field for them and the way in which prayer is really interesting in their context. And they explain how, you know, people have a paradigm for prayer, but not that they can do it themselves in their own home by themselves, just talking to Jesus. And so they're really trying to pave a new way, model a new way of prayer for that culture and really lifting the veil between heaven and earth. It's, it's very exciting. And it's sacrificial which is just beautiful. I think last mm. last Christmas there was a lot of rioting and unrest in Peru and they had friends who were coming out to visit them, couldn't come because the airport had been shut down because there were people with guns and different things were happening in whole, all of Peru. And so mm. it's interesting that they're willing to go to such a place that for you and I, we live in a relatively stable country, but they've taken their family to an unstable country, yeah. trusting in God, their rock, their fortress. So it's beautiful to to see, but I'm I'm always deeply humbled by the price people pay. And Andy, right. Andy and Helen have paid a price, but they're not going to be like 
oh, we paid a price, we're suffering loads. They're just people that are full of joy, people who are full of hope. Yeah. And it's just exciting to see what God is doing through them. So I'm really excited just to hear what these two wonderful people have to say. Mm. Yeah, we hope you enjoy. Well, a huge welcome to Andy and Helen joining us on the podcast today, all the way over in Peru. Welcome, Andy and Helen. Thank you for having us. Hello. Hello. Buenos dias. Buenos dias, amigos. Está bien? Sí, gracias. It's good to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's lovely to have you. And Andy and Helen, would just give us a little idea of the context of which you find yourselves in right now. Who are you? Where are you? And what do you do? Okay, we are, as you've already mentioned, Helen and Andy Taylor, and we're originally from England. Um, however, for the past nearly two years, we've been living here in Cusco, in Peru, with our daughters, Faith and Emma. Um, we're missionaries out here representing 24-7 Prayer. Yeah, and just to give you a bit of context on, on where we are, so Cusco is... In the middle of the Andes Mountains, it's three and a half thousand meters, almost twelve thousand feet high. Um, it's it was known as the navel of the world in Inca times, and it's um, a melting pot of Inca religion and Roman Catholic tradition. There's lots of shamanism and darkness and oppression and confusion over here, and it's the gateway city to Machu Picchu. Over two million tourists visit this place annually wow. and this is where we felt god call us wow machu picchu is the instagram capital of peru isn't it everyone wants to go there and get a shot of themselves with those beautiful mountains and the incan ruins uh when you say like two million visitors what is so cusco is a town of how many people and those visitors are they just like looking for good Insta shots or are they on a some sort of journey? Give us an idea about what that looks like. So, yeah, Cusco is about half a million people, about 500,000 people living here. And like Andy said, yeah, two over two million tourists come here every year, obviously to go and visit Machu Picchu, definitely. Um, and also there are a lot of people that we have met here um, who seem to, who come here, on a spiritual journey, um, looking for for something to to fill that hole, to fill that gap, to to help them understand the purpose of life. Wow! And um, what on earth um, sort of led you guys to this moment where suddenly, you know, you two and your and your two daughters, like, what led you to sort of pack your bags and leave England and find yourself twelve thousand feet up in? in the Peruvian mountains like what led to that decision that's a very good question um we do have a bit of history with Cusco uh, so we were here as me and Helen before we had children before we were married we were here as backpackers and we had an extended trip um we met some missionaries and I became a Christian out here oh, wow. which was incredible in 2010 uh, and then we came back to England and we got on with life and kind of not forgot about Peru, but didn't think we would ever return here. But slowly but surely, God God started speaking to us um, about retracing our steps. And we had so many visions and dreams and words from other people and from God about, about coming back to Cusco. So we had no idea what God wanted us to do here. 
So in true kind of 24-7 prayer style, we we arrived with complete open hearts and minds of, of God. How can we how can we serve you? What do you want us to do here? We know you've called us here, but, but please show us your will. And I think it's a really good posture for us just to be in at the start of that that journey. Wow. Um, so that's kind of how we, yeah, came here. And that's amazing. Almost like you you know, your life story was so dramatically changed there. It's almost like, okay, God, mm-hmm. you know, replicate my story and, you know, the potentially these thousands of tourists that come through. That's amazing. So, guys, tell us a little bit about what does it look like? I know you in England, you were both school teachers, you've got children, you've got a home. What does it feel like for, Andy, you talk about visions and dreams and God speaking, but I'm thinking about moving two small girls halfway across the world, leaving behind family, friends, stable income, all of that. When God speaks, why on earth would you do that? Well, I suppose we'd been, we'd been praying a prayer in, whilst we were in England. We were serving at local church on the leadership team. We, we yeah, as you said, stable jobs life was life was comfortable going well um yeah we were happy in england and i suppose it arrived at that point where we, we had to make a decision um we we, we we prayed for god to to speak to to the girls as well and, and they would they would come to us and just well for one example they just blurted out in the car that we want to move to peru and literally wow. the day after we prayed together as a couple like god please speak to us we think you're speaking to us about peru we're not sure we need another sign um so that was really encouraging but but you're right to to make that decision um i think yeah it was it was pete greg said i I think he spoke about the heasleys going to ibiza about you you can be risky or you can be safe in your decisions do we go risky and ignore what god is saying and stay where we are and be comfortable or do we go safe and put our lives in his hand and completely trust that he knows what's best and his will for our lives and that's kind of the decision we made we we kind of i suppose were obedient to the call we we knew both deep down inside when the girls started speaking to us as well we knew that this we had to do this even though we didn't know what we were going into and it hasn't been plain sailing. It hasn't been easy. It was a really tough decision to make. Mm. Faith and Emma have been absolutely amazing through it all. However, we've all longed for being back home in England on many occasions. Yeah. But God has just been so good through it all. So good. It's been, yeah, it's been like an overwhelming kind of peace and joy about being here even through the challenges and the tough times. Yeah. Wow, I love the idea that the risk is staying and the safe thing mm. is going. Mm. It's such a, a, a beautiful switch around of what we, with our own, I guess, sense of what is right and how we should live our lives would think. You know, the idea is we have the jobs, we work hard, we get the house, we we live well, and we, you know, we somehow serve in a local church. But the safest thing to do is to, act when god speaks so amazed that's so so good but tell me how do you keep going how do you persevere i've found because we've had so many we've had so many tough moments here in the last two years so many difficult times when the easiest thing would have probably been just to give up and to uh throw in the towel and 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 head home but 
we've found more and more that during those moments, during those times where we really need to persevere, we find ourselves craving more time breathing God in. Um, We find ourselves needing um, and, 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 and wanting to spend that that extra time with God, the quiet time with God. Yeah, I, I get so much more com- comfort from that. Uh, God blesses me with the fruits that I need at that moment in time just to keep going. Um, another way is um, being around others who help build me up and support me, um, lift me up. We've we've found a beautiful church community here that welcomed us from the moment that we arrived. And the the women and and, you know, and the families there, They've just been been so supportive and so encouraging. So at the times where I'm, I'm finding it really, really difficult and, and just needing a little bit of extra comfort, then I, I go and spend some time with my Christian Peruvian friends here. And uh, they, yeah, they help throw me on in, in love, which makes just such a huge difference. Wow. So that's like the quiet time, you going talking to God, but also being part of and placed in a community helps you keep going certainly yeah 100%. amazing but here's the thing i often wonder when we send missionaries to other countries or when missionaries go to other countries how do we avoid enculturation how do we avoid becoming colonial how do we avoid popping our stuff onto them and you know how do we outwork the gospel contextually I know that was quite a switch around in the questions there, but you know, so you've gone, <laughs> you, you know, you've got you've got an idea of how this all works in England, for instance. How do you then see that work in Peru without it just becoming like a a like a kind of McDonald's franchise of mission? Yeah, that's a good question. We have spoken to each other quite a lot about this, and we have to stop ourselves in our tracks every so often to not try to put our Englishness on into in onto the Peruvians here because it is a completely and totally different culture. And so the ways that we have um, seen it be successful is by building team, building a team of indigenous people around us, by consulting them, by asking them to trial stuff. And so it's been a lot of trial and error. Um, by listening to them, to to what they say, by by giving them the opportunity, which I find a little bit difficult sometimes because I I like to do things my way, um, but actually giving them the opportunity to change things and to say maybe this would work a little bit better than that. Um, but it has been difficult because a lot of the stuff that we've been doing here, um, especially over the last year or so, prayer spaces, setting up prayer rooms, um, prayer spaces in schools, we've done quite a lot of in England anyway. And so, yeah, we ca- we cannot just um, copy it and, and do exactly the same. So, yes, building team, listening to others um, who, are, who are native to this country. That's really helpful. And and also, you were telling me really about the uh, the South American context of the pastor who stands at the front, and the prayer meeting is a front led. Lots of people making lots of noise, but you have people going into prayer rooms, and because of the creative nature and the way that we help people engage with stations, people are coming out of the prayer room and saying, "I didn't think I could pray for an hour." I think was there one like twenty year old girl who was dragged along by her mother or someone like that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So she was, yeah, very, very, yeah, quite moody looking when she arrived. Um, 
being taken into a prayer room by her by her mother an hour later she came out and she was just transformed her face was just bright shining huge smile on her face and she was like I didn't want to leave please can I stay for longer and <laughs> um, saying that she just didn't realize that prayer could be so exciting and interesting and that she just thought that you went into a dark room had to go on your knees and putting your hands together and and quietly speaking to God. So you feel do you feel you're remodeling prayer for people in Cusco? Certainly I think we're also giving them ownership. Oh I love that I love that. Ownership. God's doing it isn't he? Yeah. Because here so many people like you said Brian um go to the pastor to be prayed for and we when we arrived because we were known as 24/7 prayer we became the people that that um wanted us to pray for them um mm. out on the streets as well as in the churches but over over these last two years we've really encouraged and um equipped people to be able just to to actually see that they can they can mm. um speak to to Jesus themselves they can have a conversation with him they can talk to him they've got just as much right as any other person wow. and that that Jesus wants to have that friendship and that and that communication with them that is like that is amazing how does it go then when you pray with someone on the streets praying on the streets has been incredible so we we just walk out we're open-hearted open mind god lead us where do you want us who do you want us to connect with it's just incredible the people he puts in our path that we just start conversations and start conversations with there are very spiritual people here they're very open to talking about god and when you talk to them about jesus yeah they're open to talking about that but you just just get this sense that they don't they say they know jesus and but they don't know that that have that relationship with them Lots of them are taught about Jesus and go to Catholic schools and, and and know bits of the Bible. But when you start to open up and pray for people and invite the the Spirit of God into their lives, like we've witnessed God do amazing things in, in young fathers' lives who've been separated from their children, um, a, a young mother's life whose um, son has been paralysed and was in hospital for four years, and then he suddenly. We prayed together. She started praying for him, and the recovery from this this child has been incredible. He's now back home with his mum. Amazing. Um, he can speak to her. He's starting to move again. It's just been, yeah, in- incredible. And and just speaking about the spirituality of the, of the people here, um, we just set up a prayer tent in this huge festival for the city, and people were queuing to pray. There was such a hunger to come and experience what this creative prayer and this prayer tent was about. that They were in queues, um, queuing up to encounter God. And it was just beautiful to step back and, and just see how the hunger and the desire of the people to, to experience and encounter God was, was beautiful. I think that's so amazing because there's like kind of a cynical side, I think, so often, even within the church, about how amazing meaning with God is and how amazing prayer is like almost like an over familiarity with it that you know we've lost that passion and I like I'm definitely guilty of thinking oh well people will queue for Taylor Swift tickets but they're not going to queue for an hour in the prayer room but but actually like there's something in that that you know people are hungry I think that's incredible and it feels like from what you guys are sharing, it's almost like in your context there, people have been held almost like behind a veil of, you know, they, they haven't felt able 
to have that access that we know that we all have, which is the access into the presence of God, the access to speak directly to God and to begin to kind of lift that veil. I think that's an incredibly exciting calling. It reminds me of like, um, you know, the reformers back in the day wanting mm. to, to take the scriptures and put it in the hands of the people. I feel like you're wanting to do that with prayer. It's like taking it from the platform and putting it into the hands of the people. And what an amazing thing. I think it's a beautiful thing whereby you're remodeling something, you know, yeah. and as Hannah says, taking it from the platform and putting it towards the people is just a, a gorgeous expression of what 24-7 prayer looks like around the world. Tell me, what would a spiritual awakening, because we talk a lot about awakening, contending for the next great awakening, in Cusco in Peru, uh, a city of half a million people with two million visitors high up in the mountains... Tell me, what does awakening look like for you in your context? Good question. Um, I think if you have asked us and someone would have said, a city united in prayer for the last three months and thousands come into Christ at the end of it, would be, yeah, that sounds like spiritual awakening. That happened last week. <laughs> so from the honour of leading this prayer initiative through the whole of Cusco praying nonstop for three months for unity, this festival where the word was preached and people were asked to raise their hands to respond to Jesus. There was thousands of hands that went up. Wow. Um, and it feels like it feels like that would be a spiritual awakening. But we really felt God say um, towards the end of this prayer initiative that this is just the beginning. This is just the start. So mm. we're really determined now to not just rest on that. And in the Inca times, Cusco was known as the navel of the world and every path led from the center of Cusco, the plaza, where all the Inca palaces was, every path led across the empire, which covered almost the whole continent, South America. The navel, by navel, you mean belly button? The belly button, yes. the center of the world. Um, it was known as the Inca Empire, and these paths would spread thousands of miles, and every one originated in this, this main square. So we're really excited that, that, that God can use the history of Cusco to then kind of almost replicate that that kind of spreading of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, of this unity of Cusco doing something different, the people of Cusco um, spreading the fire of God across across not just this city, but, but the nation and, and even beyond that. So mm. we're really excited. We really sense that something God's doing something incredible here, and we just want to keep going with that and, and following his will for this. So for an empire that existed 500 years ago, how strong do you think the spiritual hold of the Incas has on the spiritual life of Peru? Cusco is a very confused place. Um, and the more we learn and understand about the history of the Incas, the more we see a people with a beautiful appreciation of creation and nature. They, they really respect creation. Um, the Incas, the way they worship their gods, um, the mountain gods, the mother nature, the sun, the moon, uh, the rain, etc. Um, they they really did appreciate creation so much and respect it so much. Um, and even though they hadn't been introduced to to Jesus yet, they still had this appreciation of life of of, of a creator. They even had a god called Wiracocha, is it mm -hmm. Wiracocha, which meant um, the God of everything. Um, so like Andy said earlier, they really are a spiritual people. Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing that we've found 
that they um that we think that they struggle with that they battle with maybe and um that is a stronghold for them is that they still really feel that they have to constantly offer something to their gods in order to have something returned to them mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so they there's there's not a you know there's not a, a a feeling that they are enough that who they are is enough they have wow. to constantly try they have to constantly give they have to um, make all these offerings to their to their gods and that is a huge stronghold that we still see here today so yeah we would love to know what is one experience of prayer in your whole life that you will never forget so i've i i grew up in a christian family so i i've always known going to church um and and going along on a sunday morning i come from a from a family with a methodist background and every year when we were younger we used to go to either a a festival called spring harvest or a festival called easter people um which was so much fun and one time when i was at one of the one of the festivals i must have been about 13 14 years old i remember being in a an evening meeting and there was a, a, a few young people up on the stage and they just started to talk to us exactly about what prayer is and how it is just a conversation with your father and um, then just encouraged us just to get into small groups and just start to pray, but to pray simply, completely and totally simply without any fancy words, without trying to to look good. Um, but just have a conversation like you would do with any other family member, mm. um, especially with your with your father. And um, during that time, I really felt the power of prayer. I remember standing there with these other people, weeping, thinking, "This is it. This is this is prayer." And from that moment onwards, I just became so passionate about it because it was it was like a, a light bulb moment that when we spend time with somebody, when we get to know them better, we mm. get to know them better. And that is what I wanted to do with God. I wanted to, to get to know him better. And I wanted to to find out who he was, who he was to me. Um, and yeah, so that, that was that was one moment when I was around about 13, 14, when Amazing. it clicked and, and I became so passionate about prayer. Wow. And what about you, Andy? Yeah, a good question. There's so many just whirling around in my head at the moment, but I think I have to go back to 2010 when I was in Cusco. Um, I'd spent over 30 years of my life just just living for myself, knew about Jesus, knew about Christians. They were nice people, but God um, placed some missionaries in my path that that were different, that gave up their lives to to serve others and and seeing how they lived just really sparked questions in me. And I just said a little prayer in my head of, God, if you're real, then then just show me. And from that moment that I prayed, it's probably my first proper prayer to God. It transformed my life. He, he, he answered me instantly um, through things that have been going on in my life that, that suddenly changed. And from saying it wasn't a long prayer, it wasn't anything impressive, it was just simple, as Helen's just said, a simple prayer to the creator God who was alive and responded to me and, 
and yeah from that moment on i was i was hooked wow that's absolutely amazing the prayer that you prayed as a non-christian in 2010 god if you're real show me and here you are living in cusco 2023 believing in jesus carrying his love and his passion to those around you and seeing others connect in prayer god is a wonderful god isn't he it's just so amazing, so encouraging. Mm. Guys, we have loved listening to you. Uh, we're so, yeah, we're just blessed by your sacrifice, by your willingness yeah. to go, and and the fact that you've done it as a family. And and not being weird or anything, right? But you're not young, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on who you are. Well, to me, you're young. But like, you know, but what I'm, I just, just, just while we're here, one of the things that I think is that we always think, oh, people who should go and sell their lives down the river, leave everything. Maybe we always, we sort of thing we talk about 18 to 25-year-old kind of conferences about give it all up for Jesus. Yeah. But how old were you guys when you gave it all up and we moved back to Cusco? Just, you don't have to, you can be slightly dishonest if you want, Helen, but the truth probably is better. <laughs> we are in our 40s now. So yeah, it was, it was. We're 42. It was, yeah, it was when we were 40 that we moved out here. And, you know, don't they say life begins at 40? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm 53, so <laughs> what does that mean about me? Is my life nearly over? Means you win your prime. That's it, Helen. That's it. Anyway, guys, listen, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to have you with us. And uh, we pray that, you know, everything you're getting involved in continues to go really, really well. Thank you for your time. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bless you. Thank you for listening to the 24-7 Prayer Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our work, please do visit 247prayer.com.